this time of the year, it's when Andrew takes all his elders <clears throat> away. And we spend some time together. Um, and I, I, I follow. They lead, I follow. <laughs> and somebody asked me earlier, so how, how, was the, how was the week? Well, I'm undone. I'm wrecked. Um, you know, God does a work in you first before He does a broader work. And, 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 and some years are actually more severe, I have to say, than others. It's like we, we, need to be, we need to be sorted out before God will tell us what, what He wants to do. And um, so I woke up this morning really early, and, and um, actually we were going to watch a video today, one of the uh, starting points. And I felt God say, no, I, I want you to kind of give a bit of an overview and, uh, and share a bit on the last few days. And if I had to give it a title, I'd call it Calibrate or Recalibrate. And I thought I'd bring some props today to, um, to help me. So the, the first thing is this. I'm going to just set it up here. It's called a... A self-leveling, a self-leveling laser. Can you all see it? It's flashing. It's flashing because what it's saying is I'm not level. Because it's not sitting on a tripod and what have you. But you can see there's a horizontal line. You can see a vertical line. So when it's set up properly and it's self-leveling, you know that line is 100% level. It's a great thing to use, a great tool to use indoors. Because you can't see that outside. So if you want to set up cupboards level or you want a tile, that's, that's the kind of tool that you want to use because it's going to give you whichever way you point it. And I, I've used it often. In fact, a client bought it for me because he was so happy with the house I built, but he bought it for me halfway. And I said, that's, that's not fair because I'm not finished. So now you're sitting like, like Tony, here you go. Oh, no, no, you know, no, I can't let you down on anything. So you really pulled a fast one. Anyway, so that's a... A self-leveling laser. And then, some of you might know what this is. It's called a dumpy level. And it's really, all it is is a kind of like a telescope. You set it up on a tripod and you adjust the feet so that you get it level. And it's got a couple of dials and, and knobs and what have you that you, um, that you use to, to adjust it. And all it really does, when you look through it, if you look through the viewfinder, is there's a thin little line down the center of the lens and a vertical line. That's all. And some houses that we built, you had to be exactly right with the floor level. And you had to be exactly right with the roof because there were restrictions in place. So typically your plan would say the floor needs to be 22.5. 22.5 what? From where? No, there's a peg on the road, which is on the plan, maybe 50 meters down the road, a steel peg in the tar, and the plan will tell you that the height of that peg is 22. So you set up your dumpy, and somebody goes and stands with a staff on the peg, and it's like a tape measure, the staff. And you swing the, the telescope around, and you set it up and you adjust the um, uh, clarity, and then you read off the staff a value, a height. And that will tell you how high 
your dumpy is above that point. And if you turn the dumpy this way and you move the staff around and you put a pole in the ground, you know that if you can read 22 and you come around this way and I need to be 22 and a half or whatever, you do the calculations and you can work out what your floor, where your floor level must be compared to that datum point which is fixed on the road. And some, not all houses, but some houses were like that. And when you, you build three stories up and you've got your roof, you, you've only got a 40 millimeter tolerance. And if your roof, they come and do a proper measurement at the end. If your roof is higher than that, you've got to break it down, put the roof back on. So they're that strict. So a very useful tool. And if you want to build a wall, a long wall, and you get your height on that side with the dumpy, and then you swing it around and you mark a height over there, you know that that height and that height are the same height. You can run a line and build a wall, and you know that it's going to be level all the way through. So great, great tools to have. But if you bump it or knock it or drop it, and you set it up on a tripod and it's one or two degrees out, it's going to mess with everything, isn't it? You need to be absolutely sure that when you look through that dumpy, it's level. So every year or two years, we take these tools and go and get them calibrated. And a guy in a room, a special room set up with all these marks on the wall that are all 100%, and he would sit there with a screwdriver and he'd open it up and he'd look, and then he'd swing it around and he'd check, and he'd adjust it, and then he'd swing it back and check, and then he'd swing it that way and swing it 180 and check, is it the same? Is this thing reading level? all the Because if it's off level... You can be sure your job's going to be a mess. Calibrating, recalibrating. And this time away now, the last few days, was a time of that recalibration. And um, a lot of things were said, a lot of different angles, a lot of, and um, brought me to here today. And I was thinking back to the time of um, Moses. It stands out for me. You know, Moses, we know that he grew up in a royal household, and then he ran away for 40 years, and then, he, and then God appeared to him in a burning bush, said to him, I want you to go and lead my people. And how did he respond? <laughs> I think you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy, not me. I'm not the guy. And then he, no, but I, 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 I stammer. Oh, no, well, then Aaron will talk for you. And he had to go to, he had to, go to Pharaoh and say, um, excuse me, will you let my people go? That's all. He didn't do the plagues, did he? God did the plagues. When, he, when the people left Egypt and the Egyptians gave them half or most of their valuables, Moses didn't do that. God did that. When he took them into the desert and, the, and manna was fed and quail, Moses didn't do that. God did that. And when he came to the Red Sea and I can't remember, he put his staff or his foot and the sea parted. Mo Moses, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. God did. But he was called by God. And how did he respond? Please pick someone else. And I have to be honest, I felt the same when they asked us to come here. 
Please pick someone else. I see men around me who've led congregations, who've led churches, who've planted churches. And I got picked. And I felt like Moses did. I don't want to be here. I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I'm... You know, I've, I've listened to Dimitri. I've listened to some of his teachings and I've listened to his devotions and I've read some of his writings. And I wish, I wish, I wish I could write and speak as eloquently as he does. I wish, I wish I'd started 25 years ago, four years at Bible school, and share and speak like he and Karen do. Can't. Not like them. Yet God called me here. And this weekend took me to something which we all know called Korah of Korah, Korah's rebellion. You'll read about it in Numbers 16. And very base, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. I'd encourage you to go and read it. Very briefly, Korah was a Levite. And for some reason, we don't know, he got jealous of Moses and his leadership. And he rallied about 250 people around him. And he went, and I, I just, I'm just going to read really just one line out of it, if I can just get there. And he goes, he goes to Moses and he says, um, they came as a group, 250 of them, to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves up above the Lord's assembly? And I read that. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you stupid? Like, I mean, I say that humbly. Like, what are you thinking? Did you not see the miracles that God did through these men that God appointed? Like, like what are you thinking that you go to oppose this guy? Like, if he doesn't please you, well... And I, I, look, it just, it boggles the mind. And um, his complaints can be summed up in three statements. Number one, Moses, Aaron, you know better than anyone else. Well, they're right. <laughs> Moses and Aaron weren't better than anyone else. They were like all the other Israelites. Their second complaint was that, well, everyone in Israel has been chosen by the Lord. You're right. Everyone in Israel, that was God's people. He'd chosen all of them. Moses and Aaron hadn't been set apart in any way. But his third complaint was, we don't need to obey you. It's amazing to see how Korah twisted the first two statements, both to be true, to reach the wrong conclusion. Who are you? And this weekend, I sat in a room with 50, 60 other eldership couples who pour their hearts out, pour their lives out to do what? To preach the Word of God, to share the Word of God, to see people saved, 
to see people's lives changed. To see people set free from unforgiveness, sin, adultery, brokenness, broken families, abuse. To see people come to know the living God. To see people come to find forgiveness, to find faith, to find life. Men and women. No. No different to Moses. No different to me. Just men and women willing to pour their hearts and their lives out to see God come alive in other people's lives. Forty-two congregations, it's not a boast. It's chatting to Warren. It's not a boast. Lockdown, we started with 25 congregations. It's now 42. There's three more being planted in the next month. Tilbach, Bethlehem, Stellenbosch. You know, these churches today, they don't even have 45 people in them. Never mind 45 congregations. But we're not on some manhunt to plant a congregation, every, every village, town, suburb. No. These are saints coming forward saying, I believe God is sending me. I want to go and reach the lost. I believe God is wanting me to go there and plant and bring hope. Hope of a life in Christ. And I look at this and I go, Lord... Which man in this group of elders can take credit? Not one. Not Andrew. Not Andrew Selly. Yes, he might be at the tip of the spear. He might be leading this. But he doesn't come here on a Sunday and preach. He doesn't. It's not, up, it's not him. Is it Kim Muller? Is it Russell Fraser? No. Not any one man can take credit. But together. Together, there's a working together. There's a move of God because men and women are willing to say, yes, I'm part of. I'm willing to make an effort. I'm willing to give up, to lay down, to pour out. And I'm blown away. I'm blown away when I look at that. My wife reminded me this morning. I mean, a lot of things were shared this weekend. One of them was that, God is not only the architect, but He's the builder too. And yesterday, I remember sitting there going, I was going to bring one. What's a brick on its own? It's just a brick that you put under your wheel so your car doesn't roll down the hill. It's just a brick. But if you take a whole lot of bricks and you, and you weld them together with mortar, Cement and sand can build a wall. And if you've got four walls, hmm, now you've got a sense of security. You're protected from the elements. What's a piece of aluminium and glass? Nothing. But if you shape the aluminium into a frame, you cut the glass to fit in the frame. You've got a window. And a window allows you to let the wind in Shut the wind out. It's a window. And a piece of wood is just a piece of wood. But when you shape it into the shape of a triangle like this, and you put some more wood on top, and then you put some roof tiles on top of that, you've got a roof. 
When it rains, you don't get wet. When the wind blows, when the sun shines, it protects you. All those parts alone are useless. The Bible says that we're living stones. And as we join together, we function as something useful. I'm just a brick. You might just be a piece of aluminium or glass or a piece of wood. I'm just a plank. I'm just a plank. But if you allow God to put us together, we become something useful. Living stone. Living stones, every one of us. Built together by the author, the architect God himself, into something that he can use for his glory, not for our glory. You know, I was thinking this afternoon, Joshua generation. Well, Joshua got the grand accolade of leading the Israelites into the promised land. We know that. He took the land that God had promised his people from those that were there, and they were able to settle. Joshua generation doesn't count anymore today. Uh, years ago, some churches started, they were like, we don't want to be a name. We're just going to be like the church of no name. Okay, well, then that's your name. No name. Like, <laughs> what does the name count? No, we don't have a name. Okay, well, then you no name. So which church do you go to? No, I go to no name church. What's in a name? Doesn't count. Joshua generation, name doesn't count. 412, this apostolic reaching out and, 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 and connection of hundreds of churches worldwide doesn't count for anything because it's not our church. It's God's church. It's God's church. But we're not called <laughs> to be City Bowl PM that meets on a Sunday afternoon in a holy huddle, does church, and then goes home. And then maybe on a Wednesday we go to community. And that's the sum total of what we do. If you think that's what church is, then you've missed it. Because God's on the move. With 42, 45 congregations, with how many hundreds of churches connecting, God's on the move. And you know what? We're actually in a fortunate position because we meet on a Sunday afternoon where most of the other congregations meet on a Sunday morning. Will you go? Will you come with me when we go and visit another congregation together? Why? Because those are our brothers and sisters. And they're as close as Greenpoint, Sunningdale, Musenberg, Stellenbosch, Krabow, Worcester, Hartenbos, Oetsuren. The list goes on and on and on. This is not about us just getting together. It is. Of course it is. This is like a birthplace. This is a place where we get fed. It's a place where we nurture our relationships with one another after we've nurtured our relationship with God Himself. To do what? To go. To go. And maybe our neighbor is not in Artenbos. Maybe our neighbor is in the building across there. Or in that building over there. Or that building over there. Or next door in the room over there. Maybe that's where our neighbor is. But would we see, would we see beyond 
these four walls to understand that there's more than this. So I wanted to come back to Korah's rebellion. I looked around the room and I saw men and women willing to lay down their lives. When I was asked to come here, I must tell you, I honestly could pick a handful of men I thought were way more deserving, way more qualified, way more able than I think I am. But if God has decided that I come here, if God has decided that we, Lindsay and I, should be here, I want to ask you today, where's your heart? You see, Korar didn't understand when he challenged Moses. He wasn't challenging Moses. He was challenging God. And I can stand here and tell you honestly, I can't demand that you be led by me. I can't command that you follow me. You see, a leader that goes out and no one follows is just a leader going for a walk. I can't put that on you. But I can ask you, if God has put me here, if God has put me here, I would ask you today, will you follow me? Not because I'm better than you. Not because I'm more anointed than you. Not because I'm more deserving. But if God has decided that I should be here, then I fear Him more than I fear you. And I want to follow Him. And I want to take you with me. Because if He's going to take me into more of Him, then He's going to take you too. Because I don't want to do anything that He doesn't say. I don't want to go anywhere that He doesn't want to go. But there's no point in me going alone, is there? I was thinking about the Israelites. Uh, Psalms, one of the Psalms speaks about how the cloud covered the Israelites. And it would make sense. You know, you're in the desert. So not only did they follow the cloud during the day, but the cloud covered them during the day. Gave them shade. And uh, numbers range, millions of Israelites moving in the desert. Now you can just imagine the cloud stops, you stop, you set up your tent, you got to like a spot with a bit of a view, you make your urn or your oven, water's close by, and then the cloud starts to move. You're joking. I just, I just got, I just, I always wanted a view and I just got it. What do you mean we're moving? Will you move? Because you can stay. Moses probably didn't go back and say, excuse me, can you pack up your tent? We're moving. No, you have a choice. Will you move? Because I think when the cloud goes, not only does the shade disappear, probably the manna stops, probably the water dries up, and you're on your own. I want to be on my own. So, I would ask you today, will you partner? Will you partner? Because that's what it is. 
partnering in God. You know, God has an order. There is an order in the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Jesus died on a cross because His Father required it. There's a submission, a surrender to what the Father wanted. There's a a sense of hierarchy, even in the Godhead. And it filters through to the way the church is structured. But never, never should a leader or an elder lord it over anyone. We lead because God calls us to lead. But you, like Korah, have the choice to follow. It's your choice. And I'm going I'm to say this again. I would never command or demand, but I would ask. Will you partner? And you're not partnering with me. You're partnering with God himself as we move forward. When I see, when I see the growth, we had, we had Netherlands, Dutch couples there come out with their families, weeping for four days, never, not seeing life like this in their church ever. We had an American couple from South Carolina there, weeping. We didn't put on a show. There's no lights and smoke and, and, and feel-good goosebumps, no. There was repentance. There were hearts exposed this weekend. There was a genuineness that said, Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to hear your voice. So this is not about me. I want to follow the Lord. I would ask you today, will you follow me as I follow the Lord? Will you follow me as I dearly follow the leaders around me and above me as we seek the will of the Lord in what He wants to do? Will you? Because that's my desire. And in doing so, God will sharpen me, He'll correct me, and He'll rebuke me. And He may do the same to you. And if you become more glorious as a result, praise God. Because that's His heart for us, is to be more like Him. So I want to ask you, we're going to go into worship. I want to ask you. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, th- I'm this serious about it. I can't force you. If you don't, I, I, you know, we show these videos. We've, we've shown these videos the last, last couple of weeks, the end of last year, starting point videos, orientation videos. Why? Is it to give Andrew profile? Not at all. I mentioned last year, oh, you would learn a little bit about him. You would get to know a little bit more about him. You'd see his heart and what have you. It's not about Andrew Selly. It's not about Andrew Selly. It's about embracing a value in a church like this. It's about saying, yes, that is scriptural. That's what I want to be part of. That's what I want to build my life on. That's because I see it in the Bible and I see how it's presented. And I see how it ties in with that scripture and ties in with that scripture and ties in with that scripture. Yes, I want to, I want to build my life on the rock. And the rock that's represented by Jesus, it's represented by the Holy Spirit, and it's represented by godly men who see that and will fight for it and will stand for it because it's God's Word. That's why we're watching the videos. 
Not because I don't want to preach. <laughs> Not because I... Because we need to buy in. Not to me. To picture that God has for His church. It's not my idea. It's not Andrew's idea. It's is God's blueprint. So that, so that, when we buy in, <laughs> we say we're going to have a worship evening on Friday. Will you come? We say we're going to have a picnic on a Sunday instead of church. Will you come? Will you be a doubter? Like I've caught myself out to be a doubter. Ah, it's Friday. Pfft. Probably, I know the guys that are going to go, and anyway, my series is coming to an end, and I don't really need to be there, and I know, I've, I've been there. Or are you in? Are you in? What's it going to be like? I don't know, but I'm going. Because that, that's my family. It's my brothers and sisters. Not because Tony says so. Not because Pierre or Marvin or Jacques. No. Because these guys, leaders, represent the kingdom of God. Here to fight for you. Here to contend for you. Why? So we can grow in Christ. Because He's our Savior. So I would ask you, challenge you today. If you think you can't, come and speak to me. I'm not going to fight with you. If you think you can't, chat to my wife. Because we can't beg you and we can't make you. And I know how to put on a Sunday Christian. I know how to say the right things. Christianese, it's a language. Yes, I'm good. Yes, God is good. But inside, resistance. Inside. You know that chorus rebellion is an example of a rebelliousness that exists in many, many different ways. A hardened heart that won't forgive is rebelliousness. It's not just Korah against Moses. No, it's a rebelliousness in all of us. Many, many different ways it manifests itself. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. So I would say to you humbly, I would say to you humbly, come and speak to us. I'd love to hear. Come and speak to us. You're not giving your lives to us. You're giving your lives to Christ because I have and I will and I'll continue to do that. It's not a boast. We're not here to boast. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And we want to led by, be led by God Himself to do that. And if we're going to go, we've got to go together. Amen? Amen. Sure. So, <laughs> I don't even know why the story came to me, but when, when I was listening to Tony then, I, it reminded me of when we got married um, 21 years ago. And I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't saved when we got married, so I helped Tony backslide, shame. I've repented a lot since then. <laughs> um, so I wasn't saved when we got married. And one of the things that everybody knows about wedding vows, at the bottom it says, I will obey you, right? You know that part of the wedding vow that says, I will obey you. And I said to Tony, I'm not saying that. 
in our wedding vows. Okay, I just, I'm not going to take it out. It's old-fashioned, it's traditional, I'm not interested in it. I'm independent, I'm not going to obey you, okay? So just forget it, it's not happening. And as Tony was speaking, I realized, oh my word, even in my unsaved days, there was such a rebelliousness in me. <laughs> and that rebelliousness, it was there. But somehow when God captured my heart, he started working on that rebelliousness. And he captured my heart, but it's because of the hands and feet of leaders people in this church that loved me unconditionally, that didn't care about my fraught heart, actually. They didn't care about my rebellious ways. They just saw the purpose and the potential that I had in the kingdom. And there's many people that lay down their lives for me because they saw the picture of what God had for me. And if you told me, how long have we been around? 17 years ago uh, that I got saved that I'd be standing here as the wife of a, a husband leading a church, I'd say you're dreaming, you're smoking your socks. But yet God saw the potential in us as a couple. I can't do this on my own. I do it with him, and I'm here to support him, but I'm here to love you like other people love me. And I'm here to be a part of your lives, to, to show you those little moments of rebelliousness, to show you those little parts of us that are not so like because somebody loved me enough to do that for me. Somebody loved me enough to show you where I was proud for, where I was arrogant, where I was stubborn, where I was being independent. Because that's not God's heart for us. He doesn't want an independent people. He wants a people that run to him, that, that, that just absolutely give themselves because he loves us so much. And I've, I've been shaped by people in this church because they laid their lives down for me. And I stood in that room yesterday, looking at all of these elders that have become friends, and I wept at the back of that room, and I looked at them, and I'm like, guys, I love you so much. These people that just cared for me when I didn't deserve to be cared for, that loved me when I didn't deserve to be loved, that knew nothing about me, yet they loved me before they even knew my name. And I just want to say, guys, you're part of that. All of you in this room are part of a church that before anything else says we love you. We don't care about your faults. We don't care about your background. We don't care about your stuff. We're here to help you become who God wants to make you into. He knows what he has for you. He already sees the picture of where you need to go to. And it's our job as leaders to help you get there. So as Tony says today, we can't command you to bear fruit. We can't command you to love us. All we can do is to say, we love God, and we're going to love you the best way that we can. And actually, we're going imi- to, if, if uh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there, yeah, that, that we just kinda, we, we're going to lay our lives down for you the way that others have laid down their lives for us and brought us into the more of what God has for us. And the journey's not finished for us. Who knows where we're going, you know? But, uh, but yeah, I just want to say, the heart of it is submission, actually. The heart of it is submission. And where it's hard to say, actually, I don't want to tell you about all the yucky stuff in me because then I'm exposing stuff that I've kept hidden. But it's only when we bring the yucky stuff in our hearts into the light that God can work with us and take us further and make us better. Yeah, I, and, I, I, and I, just, I just, I don't know why God asked me to speak on rebelliousness. I forgot about that part of our marriage vows. It was buried many, many years ago and, you know, Thankfully, I repented of that. Um, we renewed our vows, by the way, years later, and I added it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 
I don't know, there was just for me a chord, something in the spirit about rebelliousness. And it's just that hardness of your heart um, that can take you away from what God has for you. And um, yeah, just, I just want to encourage you, if, if there's something that's a little bit hard, reach out before it's too late. Reach out before it's too late. We're not the heroes. Only God is. And um, He loves us too much to leave us the same. And His call is always, Behold, I knock. I knock. Will you open the door and let me in? Yesterday, today, forever. He's the same. His love is to remain outside and remain knocking. If He's knocking on your heart, be bold. Come forward. We pray for you. Come, let's go into worship.